Coast to Coast every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. For the past 23 years, we have been here for you, with you, about you, bringing you the most amazing guest available today to help you get to the next level in life with your mind, your business, relationships, and so much more. Hey, gang. David Essel in the box. David Essel Alive, America's positive talk radio show. Broadcasting live with Nathan and Trisha out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California. Proud to be part of the premier clear channel iHeartRadio network. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-TALK. Our text number, 941-266-7676. Text 941-266-7676. How do you deal with the loss of a loved one, of a parent, of a lover, of a child? How do you deal with the loss of a dream? How do you deal with loss in general? My next guest coming up in a minute, Christina Rasmussen, author of the book Second First, Live, Laugh, and Love Again, is going to talk to us about exactly that topic. How do you come back? How do you reinvent yourself? She has a very interesting concept about the body and the brain, the two different ways it works, which I'm fascinated with, and I can't wait to ask her directly to explain this. But how, you know, we we all stumble, fall, lose, right? We all stumble, fall, and lose. And that the key to joy, happiness, and love, according to Christina's book, is the ability to reinvent, to bounce back. And we are really, really, really excited to bring her on with us right now. Christina, welcome to the show. David, I love your energy, I have to say. You're amazing. So good to be here. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, well, likewise. Oh, my gosh. You know, um, your your book, when, when I saw April had told me that we were going to have you on, and I'm checking it out, and I'm saying, oh, my Lord. <laughs> If, if there isn't a topic that's more important to 99.9% of people in this world, it's how to come back from loss, right? Yes, and thank you for saying this, because when I started um, in this path, everyone said to me, Christina, don't even bother. Nobody will want to hear about this. People will say, no, there's not going to be any books that you're going to write about it. The doors will close because nobody likes to talk about it. Well, I insisted, and I said that every single human being on this planet will go through loss multiple times in their life. Why not talk about it? Why not get the tools? Why not try and reinvent ourselves afterwards? It's going to happen anyway. We can't run right. away from it, period. Yeah. Yes, yes. What your, your greatest losses, yourself personally, would be what? So I had two really, really big losses, uh, really early on in my life. Um, as soon as we got married with my husband, we gave birth to a baby girl that died. She died um, the moment she was born. Her lung capacity uh, was not, it was only 10%, and she didn't make Ooh. it. And, oh. um, yes, and a few years later, very few years later, my husband died of colon cancer at age 35. Oh, my and, gosh. And, um, I used to be a grief therapist prior to this. I did my thesis on the stages of bereavement when I was studying for my master's in the UK because I wanted to know about a life after loss and how we can get people back. I never expected in a million years that I would experience such traumatic losses so early on in my life. Never, yes. never. It, yeah. it still blows me away, to be honest with you. <laughs> it yes. really does. 
So, so can we go back to the? I mean, I can't imagine Christina at that moment. Your baby girl is born and she doesn't survive. Can you take us through what happened in that moment and then for the weeks afterwards? So we were so. I mean, we. Were, I was twenty six years old. We had just gotten married, and uh, I was about five months pregnant. And the doctors were doing an ultrasound, and they're looking, the baby's kicking and moving and doing all those things, and they're basically saying the baby doesn't have enough lung capacity. And at that moment in time, I was so too too innocent and too naive. You know, my, my mind couldn't comprehend what they were saying, so I said, can you tell me what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> and they said when she's born, when she's born, She's not going to be able to breathe without help. There's no, she's not going to make it outside of the body. And so when she was born, she didn't make it. She died in the process of being born. And even though we knew it and we were preparing for it, you can never prepare for something like this. No. In the weeks after that, I, I, I was in shock, denial. I said, this cannot be happening to me. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't comprehend it. And I thought that I had experienced something that nobody else did. That I, and I was all by myself. My, my girlfriends, my friends were all, you know, getting married. They were starting their lives. And I, was, I had just lost some, someone that meant the world to me. So I was, I was alone. <laughs> Even though they were there with me, they were, they were also not there with me. And then about two or three years after that, he was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer at age 31. And all the doctors looked at us and said, we have never seen someone so healthy, and that's for my husband, who is yeah. so sick. He was a six-foot-four Scandinavian, blonde, blue-eyed guy um, who biked to work and back every single day and was as healthy as possible. And the shock, I mean, I remember the moment that it happened. I, de- I, I, I was dehydrated. I remember I, everything dried up. Like, I, I said to the doctor, I need water. I'm going to pass out. I, right. You're in shock. And I couldn't believe that this was happening again. And um, we fought it for three and a half years. Um, we really, we did everything we could. We were in the Boston area at the time, and she was at Dana-Farber, and they were amazing. Actually, the president of Dana-Farber uh, endorsed my book. I had never met him. I never met him during our years there. I, I wrote him an email when the book was supposed to come out and thanked him for for all that they did for us and if he would endorse my book. And David, within three minutes, the president of Dana-Farber emailed me back and said, anything you need, anything. Wow. It, it's amazing. And we got such, so much support, but I'm someone who always looks at the positive, and I can never say they should have saved his life or we should have done something different. It wasn't meant to be. And he's no longer with us, but I really believe at the time, however educated I was about grief, and, and no matter how much love I received, I felt that nobody could help me and... I couldn't believe that the world was so unequipped to help the most common experience that we will ever have in our life. Yeah. Christina, um, when when your baby died and then your husband, were you oh. already doing grief therapy work, or was it after their deaths that you went for that work? Oh, it was before, David. Can you believe it? I, wow. I, I was... I was in the UK, and the time had come towards the end of my master's, 
uh, in counseling psychology. I was in the top three schools in the UK, amazing uh, university. The professor said, now we have to decide our specialty, and I said, I want to study grief. And I remember her, and, and I was in such a happy place in my life. I was just about to get married. And, um, and she said to me, you are going to study grief. You're so vibrant and full of life. I'm like, you, David, right? I'm like, what? You know, flowers right. and sunshine, right? <laughs> and uh, I said, I love people so much that I couldn't imagine losing them. Now I really want to know how to get people back to life. And I'm getting goosebumps many, many years later now just telling you this story because I really wanted to, to know. And obviously the universe, God, whatever people believe in, yeah. there was a plan for me. And I didn't know it then. And all of those things that I told you happened after that. I, I wow. worked at a hospice in Houston, Texas, and I was co-facilitating um, bereavement support groups for spouses who lost children, and I rem- who lost sorry who lost their spouse. And I remember my husband waiting for me outside to pick me up, and I remember thinking how grateful I am to have what I have, and I didn't know that I was going to be sitting at that place one day, not at that same right. hospice, but you know what I mean. I never in a million right. years would have thought, yeah. No, that's that's Christina. I'm going to ask you to hang there. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Christina about did she use the steps that she learned as a grief therapist in her own grief process? We're going to find out from Christina. when We come back her website. Second first dot com. Second first dot com. Christina's book. The title is second first live laugh and love again i cannot wait to continue on with this interview a fabulous individual secondfirst.com christina will be back with us in a second all of our shows including the interview we're doing right now with christina is going to be at our archived website talkdavid.com as of 9 p.m eastern time tonight if you have friends that need to hear this interview let them know after 9 eastern this show will be at talkdavid.com i'm david essel much more to come stay there You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Oh my gosh, my producer Nathan just found this great song that is the subtitle of Christina Rasmussen, my guest right now. The subtitle of her book, Live, Laugh, and Love Again. Christina, was that too cool? I was, I was just sitting here smiling and beaming. I'm like, is it just me? Is it a coincidence? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, he, Nathan is great like that. He'll find songs that coincide with our author's books or their themes, and he just did that here, which is wonderful. The name of the book, Second First, Live, Laugh, and Love Again. Christina, so you know, as our listeners right now, our audience tuning in, if you've heard, I mean, the, one of the greatest fears that every parent has, of course, is to lose a child, which Christina went through. And then the next greatest fear would be to lose your partner, which Christina went through. And she had been trained 
as a grief therapist prior to losing her daughter and her husband. And Christina, were you able in that state of shock and grief to actually apply what you had been taught that you helped other people do, or is that not possible? It was not possible, and I was actually angry and mad with the whole wide world, and I couldn't understand how this was hurting so much. I really didn't expect to feel so devastated. Of course, I knew it was going to be really hard, but this was beyond difficult. It was insanity, actually. And um, I remember I have this, I nearly called my book, You're Gonna Laugh, David. I nearly called my book, No More Casseroles. (laughs) 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 Because the number one thing and the only thing I feel people felt like they, they knew what that, that they needed to do was to bring me food. And the last thing I wanted to do was to eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is so great. So here you're going through all of this grief and pain. People are bringing you food, and you're thinking about the name of the book I, is No More Casseroles. <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and, and this thing how, you know, I, I, it, it, second first is a beautiful name. It's about starting over. It's about your first, second time round. But No More Casseroles was the other title that I really wanted. And I remember I, I had this vision, imagine me being in my house and all these wonderful, amazing, loving people that I was surrounded with um, would come with macaroni and cheese, uh, lasagna, bread, you know, you name it. And I couldn't eat. Um, I was actually unable to eat for a long time afterwards. My children I had, at the time, two young daughters. We actually had two children after our first daughter was gone and, uh, at the time when my husband died, they were four and six years old. So my kids ate, um, but I didn't. And I remember thinking, I wish the world could help me. I wish they could help me. I wish they stopped telling me that grief lasts forever. I wish they would stop telling me that, um, you know, nothing will ever be the same again. I wish they would tell me what mm. to do. I just wanted someone to tell me what to do because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get out of this uh, terrible place. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did what was the breakthrough for you? What was the breakthrough for a grief <laughs> therapist to break through their own grief? David, you're going to laugh again, and you're not going to believe it. And some people who are listening that have heard me talk about this before, they've heard the story. But what I'm going to tell you is something so unexpected, and and I use this story and share it. I shared it with in tw- 20 cities that I've traveled for my book launch, and every I've done hundreds of radio interviews. And I, I share this story because I don't want people to think that re-entering life after loss or whatever loss, divorce, job loss, you know, loss of a dream, loss of the way we thought life would be, loss of identity should be some, some, something so huge. Actually, it should be a small thing. And for me, <laughs> it was a very small, crazy experience. Um, is it okay if I share? Do we have a couple of minutes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was Christmas the week before Christmas in Boston, it was snowing, a lot of snow outside, and I was working the corporate world at the time because I could not possibly become a therapist and help people in grief because I was grieving so much. So sure. I was a single single mom with two little girls. I had not shoveled the snow for a long time, and my mailman wouldn't stop um, to deliver the mail because there were no space for my mailbox. So one morning we got up, we shoveled, we prepared the space, and I'm waiting at the window, waiting for him to come by and stop and deliver the mail. And David, as I'm waiting for him to drive by my house, he's arriving. He checks out the front of my house, all the place that I, I created, and he drives away. 
Oh. And in that moment in time, in that moment in time, I had two choices, and and we always have two choices. We think we don't, but we do. Choice number one was to sit down on the couch and cry my eyes out and say, "I'm a widow. I'm alone. It's Christmas. I can't even get my Christmas cards." And, and being that identity of loss, and being that place, and and you know, fair. It's fair. I mean, I, I my life was terrible. I had nothing left. Um, or <laughs> put on my snow boots <laughs> with my pajamas <laughs> and run like a crazy woman behind the car <laughs> five months later and catch up with him. And I want you to imagine this, this him being able to see me on his rear view window. And you know how yeah. they deliver the mail and they start the car, they start and stop and start and stop. So every yes. time I would catch up with him, he would drive away. I would catch up, <laughs> he would drive away. And, and there was one moment, finally, she actually had to deliver a package. So she had to exit the car and go in the house and go and knock on the door. So I caught up with him then. I looked at him and say, why didn't you stop? You know, I have a breast, mascara everywhere, tears, you know, red. I yeah. mean, I was running. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and he said to me, he said to me in that moment, you know, you didn't shovel well enough. He goes, you should have asked your husband to do it. And in my fury and anger, I said, you know, my husband is dead and give me my mail. In that moment in time, me chasing down the mailman, claiming my Christmas card, this most stupid old thing, yeah. allowed me to see myself as someone who was starting their life over. I shifted my attitude about my life. I went after what was mine. And from that point on, I created these experiences that were not all that insane but I went for what was mine, and I started to walk away from the identity of loss that I created. So people who are listening right now, it's not about changing careers or getting married again or going even on a date. It's about the little things in life. It's about changing the wall, the colors on your wall. It's about telling your neighbor you don't like him parking in front of your house or whatever that is. Take that step to start the reentry process. And that's what wow. I did with my mailman story. Crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy. Oh, you know, I, I can't imagine what the look on his face must have been when you said, <laughs> my, right? As I tell you, David, he looked like a ghost, and I felt <laughs> sorry for him. And from that day on and the years later that we, lived, we continued to live in the couch, she would wave at me and the girls like, hello, you I, know, and uh, he always delivered the mail no matter what, and and for me, I didn't know how important that moment was and how, you know, when we hit rock bottom, sometimes there's nowhere else to go but up. And for me, that yes. was the moment. And, I, and we get angry and we say, you know, that's it. I'm going to go after this and I'm going to get it. And I did. And I got a job promotion afterwards. Actually, um, that was about close to two years, a year and a half after my husband died. A few weeks after that event, I got the job promotion at work, and I actually went on the first date with my husband today. Oh, and, oh this is yes. so – hey, Christina, I, I have yes. a question. Can you hang through another break and stay with us for a little bit? Mm -hmm. are, uh, are you able to do that? Yes, yes, I'm right here. Oh, I'll wait for okay. you to show Awesome. We're going to be back in just a minute. And we have Christina Rasmussen with us, a phenomenal guest, author of a book, Second First, Live, Laugh, and Love Again, How to Recover from Losses in Life. And we're going to come back and talk to her more about steps that you can take sitting, listening right now to create the life that you truly desire. This interview will be archived at talkdavid.com in just a little while. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Baby. 
You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Celebrating 23 years as a nationally syndicated radio talk show host with one goal only, and that is to bring you the top information from the most amazing guests and authors in this world to help you bring your life to the very next level. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-TALK. Text us at 941-266-7676. My guest, Christina Rasmussen, author of the book, Second First, Live, Laugh, and Love Again. Amazing. If you missed any of this interview, if you have friends that have lost children, they've lost lovers, they've lost jobs, homes, dreams, whatever it might be, Tell them they can listen to this interview after 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight at TalkDavid.com. All of our interviews for the last number of years are at TalkDavid.com. You will love this. Christina, there, there, there's a, a quote that I, I'm going to actually paraphrase it, but I want you to talk about this, is that you say your body grieves loss, but your brain is primed for reinvention, I love that thought. I love it. I'm going to say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. And then, Christina, please go into this. Your body grieves loss, but your brain is primed for reinvention. So, David, I I discovered um, something while I was grieving, uh, and I was trying to find the right words to explain it to myself since I had nobody else to explain it to me. I remember... Throughout the first few years, I was repeating, I felt like I was repeating my grief over and over again. Mm-hmm. I was identifying with what happened to me and not with who I was. So the more I repeated those thoughts, the more my brain made them into uh, maps that were huge and difficult to change. The only way I could have changed this and the only way I could have reinvented my life was through my brain and unfortunately not through my heart. And and I wish it was the other way around, but the only way we can reinvent and reenter our life, we can change the world around us is by changing those maps and those repetitive thoughts and actions that we are doing and taking. And in the beginning, it was so scary, not only for me, but for everyone around me, I couldn't leap. I couldn't take big goals that I used to be able to. to I used to be able to make dreams come true like no tomorrow. And all of a sudden, yeah. my brain told me to be afraid. It wasn't, it, of course, I was dreaming and I was sad and it was horrible, but I was also very afraid. I was afraid to do the things I wanted to do. And as the years went by and I worked with so, so many people through the reentry process, I discovered that it was not so much the grief that stops us from starting over again, but the fear of losing it all over again. Oh. It's the fear that keeps us. And you know, David, I found a place that millions of people live, and people who, most of them actually have not experienced a traditional loss. They've experienced a loss that the, the world around us does not consider a loss. Uh, the losses that we experience that we hide inside of us that we're ashamed to, to share, we go into a place between two lives the life we left behind because of our loss, and the life that we're yet to have. And I call that place the waiting room, where we go and wait for something better to happen. And we wait, and we wait, and we repeat, and we repeat, and wait, 
and they were, I've had thousands of people write to me and tell me, because of you, I found out I was in the waiting room, and now I can exit. Because of you, I've been in here all these years. Ten, I've had people who've been in that waiting room for 5, 10, 15 years because people told them, grief lasts forever, you right. will never heal from this, and they believe them. And I'm here to change the way we look at life after loss. Forever, David. And I can talk I about love it. Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina, you know, you're, you're talking about that when people are living on the fence in life, right? They're handcuffed. Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. You, you know, your word, the waiting room, is you yes. know, just like that analogy that people are sitting in the fence. They're afraid to go forward. They're afraid to move to the left, to the right. And they're stuck. Very stuck. stuck. And not only... They they forgot they don't even know who they are because they're not the person they used to be, and yes. they're not yet who they could be if they were living their life. So yeah. in the beginning, I said to people, we have to get real with your grief. You have to discover what is what is your grief. Is it the repetitive thoughts that you have for five years, or are you really grieving? Are you really sad, or are you just used to being in this automatic state of of, of your identity that you no longer question how you feel? So first, we have to get real. We have to question, yeah. do we feel sad? What, one question I always ask is, what does your grief want to tell you? Ask your grief to speak to you. And sure. there, there's an exercise in, in my book that's called The Grief Cleanse. And think, do, the, do this exercise thinking they're grieving one loss, and by the end of that exercise, which lasts for seven days, it's a whole week, they come out realizing that they were actually stuck because of a very different loss that they never grieved and they never talked about. Do you agree? Yes. Oh, gosh, I am so in your corner. You know, in in many times in life for our listeners listening right now, because we haven't gone deep enough and in the subconscious is really the key to what we're talking about here. Christina's uh, exercise is going to access that true grief in the subconscious because without finding that true grief, whatever it might be, Christina just said it so perfectly. It could be something totally different than what would be obvious to us. Isn't that right, Christina? Yes, and David, you know, you know, I've had people who lost husbands and children, and and I'm not saying they 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 were not suffering, they were not grieving, but they went into that exercise and they discovered something completely different. They were in the waiting room for a different reason, and it was almost like they were freed afterwards. And of course, you have to take very specific, very careful steps afterwards because imagine coming out of that secure and safe place that you created like a prison. But it's not a prison. Our waiting rooms actually look like pottery barn rooms. We have a couch and we have a television and we <laughs> we have nice coffee and we sit right. and lounge. And you know what? It is it is actually pleasant to be in that in that waiting room. Sometimes we are comfortable in our discomfort, and then we get used to living there over and over again. And opening that door and exiting and reentering is actually very frightening. So when we sure. first reenter, I always say to people to plug in towards the new life at 5%. And what I mean by that is that we need to take a very small step at first. Nothing too excite, nothing too frightening because not only we're going to go back to the waiting room, we're going to go underneath the bed and hide. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I don't want to scare people. So in the beginning with my clients, I used to say, you know, let's go and, and make the biggest dreams come true. And, and they were, they would get excited when they were with me and, and fearless. But as soon as they went back to their house right. and back to their life, you know that, David, I'm sure you've experienced this before yourself with the people you work with. People yeah. go back to that reality and they forget. 
and they're afraid, and they go and hide even further, and I didn't want that for them anymore, or for myself. I, I, Christina Rasmussen, the name of the book, Second First, Live, Laugh, and Love Again, How to Go from Where You Are Right Now, If It Is on the Fence, Grieving, Suffering from the Loss of an Identity. That identity could be mm-hmm. based on a child that you lost, a lover, a job, a dream, whatever it might be. The book, Second First, will take you step by step from where you are right now, get you out of that waiting room, off of the fence, to create the life that you truly, truly want. And here's a woman that chased a damn mailman down the road to create her (laughs) new life. (laughs) Yes, sir, I did. (laughs) (laughs) And and that might be exactly what you need to be doing, gang, to get off of the fence, out of the waiting room, and back into your life. The the, the website is secondfirst.com. Christina, I loved it. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You're amazing, David, and so glad our path crossed. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, we've enjoyed it immensely, Christina. Have a a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank you, David. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye now. Listen to the interview. This interview will be on our website, talkdavid.com, in about 15 minutes. Let your friends know who are stuck in life, who are facing grief in the middle of it. Think they're out of it, but they're not. Let them listen to this full interview with Christina Rasmussen. Again, her website, secondfirst.com. Much more to come. I'm David Essel. Stay there. You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Every Saturday, rocking the USA in the most positive way possible. What a show tonight. Before I, I'm going to get to some, some of our, our texts coming in. One is about a guy whose girlfriend wants him to shave everything down below. <laughs> I got to get that question in a minute. We'll help you out. Um, what other texts we have? Questions. Uh, friends with benefits. Does it ever work? We'll get to that one too. We've got some uh, questions about separation during a marriage. There's so many things coming in. Thank you very much. Our text number, by the way, is nine four one two six six seven six seven six nine four one two six six seven six seven six. What an amazing show with our guest tonight. Um, Keith Strop, who's the founder of Normal, the legalization of marijuana. I- incredible. And and all of these interviews that I'm going to briefly talk about are available at talkdavid.com. Uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, if you have friends that miss these interviews, we talked about the power of medicinal marijuana. Uh, we also talked about Keith's perspective on What's going to happen in the future with the legalization? Obama, President Obama came out and said that he believes that marijuana is safer than alcohol as a recreational drug. Amazing, amazing to hear that. Dr. Bernie Siegel was back with us talking about near-death experiences. you got to listen to that interview. Incredible. And the purpose that we have them, why we have them. As a medical doctor, he knows that they happen. He had one himself. Rachel Luna, the, the former Marine, fascinating interview. Her fear of flying 
and her willingness to teach us how to ask for what we want in life. I loved her humbleness and also the steps that she gave to help each and every one of us get what we want out of life. And my last uh, guest, Christina Rasmussen, talking about second first how to recover from the loss of losing her child, the loss of losing her husband. Oh, my God. This, this was just a phenomenal, phenomenal evening. And Christina takes us through steps to help us recover from the loss of identity, to get off of the waiting room, out of the waiting room, off of the fence in life. What an amazing, amazing lineup that we had tonight. Thank you, April O'Leary, our guest producer who organizes this whole thing. She did a fabulous job, as she always does. So let me go to this. This is a fun one. My girlfriend wants me to shave my private area completely. (laughs) She says it really turns her on and loves oral that way. It makes me feel a little weird, David. Uh, We've been dating for one year. We have an okay sex life. It could be better. But what about how I will look in the gym? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Listen. Okay. Listen to me. Unless it's illegal or immoral, if your partner comes to you and says, you know what? This will really rock my world. And And especially because in here you say that your sex life is just okay. And here's your girlfriend of one year coming to you saying, would you please shave everything below because it turns me on like beyond belief. I would go for that. I would say, you know, step out of your comfort zone. Get out of the box. Get a razor right now. Get some help. Maybe she'll help you. She probably would love to help you. And just whack it off. No, Well, you know what I mean, the hair. Just clean it up. Clean it, clean it, clean it up. If she loves it, go for it. Um, in, the, in the gym, use a towel. Oh, my Lord. Wrap yourself in a big towel, you know, and then after a while, you won't even care. But in the beginning, if you're nervous about going in the locker room and taking a shower and having guys see that you're totally shaved and, you know, if someone says anything, just go, my sex life rocks because my girlfriend's on fire since I did this for her. I love that question. That is an absolute awesome question. So, yeah, I mean, man up. Right? Man up and do it for your girl. And if that turns around that much, you will benefit immensely, my man. Go for it. 1 800 548 talk. 1 800 548 talk. Some of these texts we get in are just beautiful. Um, now, on a more serious note, do you believe a separation can actually help save a marriage? Or is it just the next step to divorce? That is a great question. Listen, great question. If the separation does not have a plan, then yes, most separations are simply a step before a divorce. But this is what we teach our clients. There's got to be a plan, and the plan is ever-changing. So you make a decision that you're going to separate for, we usually recommend with our clients for 60 to 90 days, and separation means someone moves out, okay? It's not just like a separation and you live on the other side of the house. That's usually not effective enough for most people, unless you have like a 6,000-square-foot house. Then that might be different, right? But usually it means separation with a plan. So you choose 60 or 90 days. During that time away, each partner has to work with a professional. I work with clients in this situation, and I work with them individually. For every three to four weeks or longer, I'll work with them in individual sessions, not together. Then we get back at the end of every four to six weeks. We'll get back together and see how things are going. During the week, 
that I work with each individual individually, separately, not as a couple. We're working on what are the things that got us into trouble, what are the habits we have to change, how do we have to change our communication style, whatever it might be. Now, during this separation, there's got to be a date night. Even though you're living in two separate places, there's got to be one night a week. And if you have children, it could be challenging, but you've got to, hey, you're, you listen, you're trying to save your marriage. You're not trying to buy time before the divorce. If you're going to work with me anyway, there's got to be a date night. And in that date night, there can't be talk about work or it's about you and I, right? It's about saying that this is a committed practice. We're going to do this to enjoy each other. We're going to go out and we're going to go to a movie, for God's sake, if that's all you can do in the beginning because you're not going to talk much. So go to a movie. Have fun. Go to dinner. Go bowling. Do miniature golf. Do something. But have fun because a lot of times when we've gotten to the place of separation, it's because we've lost the fun of the relationship. So create fun, right? And then we're going to revisit every month. But, yes, I, it's a great question. I do believe in separation, and I do believe that that can actually be a step towards healing a marriage as long as there is a plan. If there isn't a plan that's going to keep two people together, then all that is is just delaying the inevitable. 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-TALK. Uh, text us during the show, 941 941- Two six six seven six seven six nine four one two six six seven six seven six. This wow! This just came in about forty five seconds ago. Actually, my sister listening to your show right now needs to borrow ten thousand dollars to keep her house. She's asked me to loan it to her. I know she's listening because I am too, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are. We have an okay relationship comma, LOL, because you're probably reading this on the air live, but I do love her very much, period. Is it a good move? Uh, you know what? If it's your sister, is she able to pay you back? I mean, that would be the very first thing. Treat it as a business loan. $10,000 is a lot of money, right? Treat it as a business loan. Does she have the income to pay you back? Um, can you do an extended payment program? Like, let's say that she's really strapped. Obviously, she probably is because she's borrowing $10,000 to save her house. So can she afford something back on a monthly basis? Can you extend? Like, what situation are you in financially? If you loan her $10,000 to save her house, can you do a minimal payment for like 10 or 15 years? It may have to be a very long time to pay it back. Will that be okay with you? Don't lose the relationship because you're loaning her $10,000 and then you're asking her every month where the payment is, make sure she can pay it. Lastly, get it drawn up in a contract. Get it in a contract where you both agree that these are the terms. This is what the money needs to be used for. Now, depending on the relationship with your sister and the trust level, you may actually write the check directly to the bank to save her house or to the mortgage company to save her house. You may actually do that. You may also want to call an attorney and ask him or her, would it be better that you sent the money directly to the bank or to the mortgage company, or would it be okay to write the check to your sister? Now, if your sister is above board, there's no alcohol abuse, there's no drug abuse, there's no spending addiction, et cetera, et cetera, you may feel comfortable with an attorney's advice to just send the check right to her. But but do some legal work here. Do some legal checking. Ask around what's the best way to set this up. 
Make sure it's in writing. But most importantly, after all this is said and done, make sure the payback program is something your sister can afford on a monthly basis. Number one. Number two, make sure you have the money you can afford to lend. Okay, great questions tonight. Remember, all of this information is archived right now at our website, talkdavid.com. We want you and your friends and family members to visit the site, to listen to the shows. Let these people that in your life know that there's actually a radio show, a nationally syndicated radio show, that has the only intention to lift your spirits and get you to the next level. That's what we've been all about for 23 years. Listen, over the next seven days, be bold, be strong, be positive. And if you need help in getting focused, go to our website and get our new book, which is absolutely free, The Power of Focus, at TalkDavid.com. I'm David Essel. Have a kick-butt week. See you next Saturday. The new year is upon us, and it's time. Time to start living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm David Essel, XM radio host and author of the new free book, The Power of Focus, at talkdavid.com. We're giving away one million copies of The Power of Focus, and it's free at talkdavid.com. You deserve your desires. Get your free book, The Power of Focus, today at talkdavid.com. For 21 years, positive talk radio equals David Essel Alive. Listen on XM 168 every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific.